everyone. Welcome to Creative Within, a podcast about building your own career in the design, animation, and motion graphics world. We bring creative entrepreneurs to share their journey to the top. They'll inspire you and give that little push you need to take your own actions. I'm your host, Dion. I'm a motion graphics consultant and a co-founder of Superpixel, an animation studio based in Singapore and Indonesia. You can check out our website at superpixel.sg. Our guest today is Astrid Sugandi. Astrid is an Indonesian writer turned entrepreneur. She began in chemical engineering but ended up creating her own animation studio. In this episode, she talks about answering to her calling, going against the grain of the traditional career path, and what it takes to create the career that she truly loves. If you're thinking of starting your own business out of passion, this episode is for you. My name is Astrid Sugandi. Um, I am the founder of an um, entertainment and animation startup called Aska Productions. Um, this company, we officially um, was founded in end of 2018, but we were actually actually already doing it for uh, part-time since 2017. But at that time, I was still doing my full-time job um, with my family business, but then I was um, also exploring option to jump into the creative industry. So maybe to better understand of how I got to here, um, I'll take you all the way back to my childhood. So actually, um, I've loved stories and writing and reading since I was a child. Um, I actually kept like a ton of diaries and journals. It, since I was maybe seven years old, I already started writing, uh, journaling, and I would write about everything, like my feelings, my emotions, my anger, what happened that day, even if it's like really dumb. I still remember one diary entry, I think it was like in 2000. Nine, yeah, 2000, I think. And then I wrote like, oh, I ran the mile today in school and then I puked. And what came out was red color. <laughs> like just really stupid things like that, but I would write it down because that was how I expressed um, things that were happening in the world around me. Um, and also I was a very angry kid. Like I felt very misunderstood. Um, I was bullied. Um, I was the youngest out of three kids. My, my brothers are much older than me. They're like 10 and 12 years older and they're boys, right? I'm the only girl and the youngest. And my parents are... 40 years difference from me. So there was a lot of feeling lonely and misunderstood. And so I felt like writing and reading really saved me um, and made my childhood much, much better. Uh, and I think that that was like translated as I started to grow up into a teenager and college and uh, continue as an adult. Um, because like these stories that I read, like for example, um, my, favorite, my favorite authors growing up, it was JK Rowling and Annette Blyton. Uh, Harry Potter and you know a lot of the Annie Blyton stories. I don't know if you guys know her. Yeah, but uh, I love them so much, and I I do consider those characters like real people. Uh, I, I I refer to them like oh yeah Harry Harry's birthday is on 31st of July you know something like that. And for cartoons, my favorite was Doraemon and Tom and Jerry. And so all these like beloved stories and characters of mine they became the cornerstones and inspirations for my. Um, IP right now, which is called Atlas Boy Adventures. So like a, a melting pot of all this combination of cartoons and stories. Um, so that's also what like ultimately pushed me to to start an IP here right now because I feel like 
mm, as an adult seeing the cartoons out there like on um maybe there's a nostalgic factor as well but seeing like on cartoon network or on youtube i miss that era where like cartoons were actually good you know like it's not hard to find a good cartoon but now it's like so much more effort um to to find good content and so i i, I want to like contribute to that um okay so actually my 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 professional professional background is okay maybe for there i i go back to high school first okay so in high school my favorite subjects were english uh math and chemistry um i i i was a huge literature nerd uh i loved it so much but i also love math and calculus for some reason and it it doesn't make sense but i i love them both and of course like being asian right uh, when i started to consult with my mom with my dad with my older brother what subjects should i take for grade 11 and grade 12 because that's like a levels right determining of where you should do your major for uni my brother was a mechanical engineer at that time he's like oh you love chemistry take chemical engineering so much money like it's the best uh, biggest pay at that moment <laughs> biggest pay i'm like oh okay yeah i love chemistry i love organic chemistry i'll take chemical engineering um so when i applied for uni i applied for chemical engineering plus journalism my parents didn't allow journalism so <laughs> it uh, i ended up going for chemical engineering um I mean there were some subjects I loved some some subjects I hated but mostly I knew it wasn't for me. Uh, I started doing some chemical engineering internships. It wasn't interesting. I was so bored like I was literally watching paint drip in a lab and like recording the time and uh, it was so boring. And so um but but then that was uh, still internship right and then when I graduated uni uh I was like okay I I do want to try to get the big money you know um so i got a job in mars mars chocolate in in australia um as a research and a research and development team but things led to another uh, personal family reasons and i had to come home to indo indonesia um in indonesia chemical engineering jobs isn't that friendly for women um it's usually in offshore right like you have to go to oil and gas fields in the middle of nowhere or you have to go to kalimantan and um i i i i i i didn't think it was for me so i thought like okay what's the next step um what can i do that um i can still work in but is still um not that far from engineering so i went to finance banking um uh, it sounds far but it's actually not because there's actually a lot of numbers involved as well um but i did have a steep learning curve in the sense that during the first few months i didn't know what was revenue i didn't know what was how to calculate gross margin uh, i didn't know how to calculate profit and all that right um but any but looking back i actually think that um working in banking was a huge plus for me right now as a founder of a company because now i know what profit is i know what gross margin is i at least know like how to uh, maintain accounting and um how to do some basics of business right so looking back i think it was all meant to be um so anyways i was in finance uh when i started to move into my my family business and when i moved into my family business that's when i got quite um i i felt the push to do more than my family business why um because in my family business my 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 dad just wanted me to take care of the finances 
Whereas I felt that I had so much more potential than just taking care of finances. Like I wanted to lead something. I wanted to innovate an industry. I wanted to um, be inspired and also inspire people. And I felt like I couldn't do it there. Um, and then because I was bored and trying to look for, you know, my calling, my passion and all that, um, my first love of writing, of writing came back. Um, somehow, I also don't know how, but at that time I was on Instagram a lot. So I noticed um, I was following a lot of Insta Instagram writers. So if you guys know like Langleaf or uh, Rupi Kaur, they're called Insta poets, right? Like the poets of the millennial generation. Um, and I was like, oh, maybe, you know, why not? I should just start like an Instagram, a poetry Instagram account under a pen name. So it's not my name because I'm a closeted writer at that time. Uh, and I was very shy about my writings. Um, so I dug up my old writings, like my old journal entries, which were a lot of them were like poet poetries. A lot of them were um, thoughts and musings. Um, and I compressed them into bite-sized, chewable writings, and I posted them on my Instagram. And it somehow got a lot of traction, um, and I maintained that poetry account for about a year and a half. I got 5,000 followers at the time, and um, it, I could have, like, grew it bigger, but um, it, it but it took out a lot, of my, a lot of my time, and it clashed with my second thing that I was pursuing, which was Atlas Boy Adventures. Um, so Atlas Boy Adventures was born, not from Atlas Boy actually, it was born because um, following that love of writing, um, I started to talk with my co-founder, uh, with my partner, her name is Kartika, she's the illustrator, right? Um, I told her like, I've always wanted to work together with you, but I don't know how. You, you, you can draw, I can write, maybe there's something there, but because I have no knowledge of the creative industry at all, um, I was like, uh, what are we going to do, like write a book? It just seems so crazy, right? But so how we started was like the very first project we did together was we made um, a customized moving storybook for my best friend. Um, he's called Bram and Bram loves to eat, uh, he loves to eat pork. And I was the one who match made him with his current wife and her name is Jen. So the story that we made for them is called The Princess and the Pork. <laughs> and it was about how Brum the Pork met Princess Jen. Um, so I wrote the story, Partika did the illustrations, and I edited, edited the whole thing on iMovie. I don't know how to edit things, I just uh, just tried to learn on the job, right? Autodidact on iMovie. And then we posted it on Facebook and it got, you know, like semi-viral. There were hundreds, hundreds of likes and comments. Um, from people who know Brown, people who don't know Brown. And I remember one comment really stood out for me um, when I posted that. Um, a friend of mine wrote, Wow, Astrid, this is amazing. You should do this for a living. And I was like, huh, maybe I should, but I don't know how. How do you make a living out of making customized stories about people? Um, but anyhow, from, from that moment on, I started like approaching friends and families like, hey, do you want to make a customized storybook about um, your wife? Do you want to make a customized storybook about your mom for her birthday? Uh, and that's, that was how we, it started. We started taking like customized projects. Um, and so we were paid like like per project. Yeah, like animation services, you know, but this is for a book. Um, and it was only just the two of us back then. So we, we could only take maybe one book every three weeks. And in Indonesia, people don't value books. People don't value art. So like one book, how much could we charge, right? Like two mil, maybe max, or how many pages? Um, so that was 
we couldn't scale up, uh, even though there were demands, there, there was interest. People say they love the art, they love the stories, but we couldn't scale up. And then uh, my husband, uh, or at that time my boyfriend, he's in private equity, so very money finance based, right? And he um, actually like on one random night, we were talking about Atlas Boy, um, not Atlas Boy, sorry, we we're talking about that my, 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 the projects that we were doing right now. He said, hey, why don't you just make one character and make like hundreds of stories about it? And I was like, you mean like make my own Doraemon? Because of course Doraemon is my childhood hero. Man. And then he's like, yeah, why not? And I said, are you crazy? How can I make my own Doraemon? It's just impossible to replicate. And he said, just try, you know, like make your own character and then make thousands of stories about it. Like little did I know back then, he was talking about making your own IP. But as I said, I have no knowledge about creative industry, entertainment industry. I don't even know what IP stands for at that time. Um, so when after that idea was planted into my head, um, I think after that, I came across a post that Kartika posted on her Instagram about this kid. Um, it was It's a drawing. Um, it's about this kid peeking into the uh, bedroom win, uh, the bedroom window of a child at night. Uh, I, I still have that image and I still have that post. And um, when I saw it, like a whole world and universe immediately was painted in my head. Um, so I asked her, like, hey, think, who's that kid? And she said, oh, it's Atlas Boy. I just randomly, like, drew him up because I had an interview with um, MNC Animation Studio. And then MNC Animation Studio wanted me to make up an IP for the interview. So I just drew him. I'm like, oh, wow, he looks so interesting. Hey, why don't we make a book, you know, like a children's storybook about him? Um, so that was when Atlas Boy was born. Uh, we made our first book, um, Atlas Boy Adventures Winter Wonderland. And then we self-published it. Uh, I sold it myself, marketing, delivery, distribute, everything was through Instagram, WhatsApp, word of mouth. Um, and then got a lot of good comments, good feedback. I was like, okay, maybe let's make a second book, um, Underwater World. And then also still self-publish, uh, self-distribution, self-marketing. Um, I marketed through storytelling. And when I did the storytelling, I saw that this character resonated with the, the kids. Yeah, so when I started Atlas Boy, also, I always knew that the end goal was that we wanted to digitize it, like turn it into animation, because I knew that was how we would reach a lot of people in, in this digital era, right? Like, yeah, books will never be obsolete, but people don't really read books anymore. It's more of like a novelty nowadays. Um, and whether we like it or not, kids are, are just using gadgets like every day. Um, yeah. so, so like all the time, right? Um, but then at that time, why I went into books first before animation was I really didn't understand how the animation world worked. What's the business model like? Because um, with books, it's very clear. You just, um, you know, spend money, print the books, and then you market it and you sell it, you get the cash and then you make profit out of it, right? But with animation, it's like, if you post it on YouTube, how do you make money? Um, and then how do you sell it to TV stations? How do you sell it to Netflix? Are they even gonna hear me out? Like, who am I, right? Um, so I, 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 and I know that the investment was animation is huge. So I didn't want to like jump into uh, uncharted water, uh, waters without testing the likability of my character first. And so that's why we went into books, just to test out the market, the likability um, and the feedback. So that was after the second book, I, I, I got married. So there was like a period of time when um, I, I wasn't really focusing much on Atlas Boy. But then after uh, I got married, 
that was when um, I was like, okay, I think it's time for us to go into animation because I was introduced to an OTT platform in Indonesia. And you guys have heard of GoPlay. It's the OTT of Gojek. Um, and from there, I learned how the business works. Uh, I learned that, oh, okay, so people can commission you, you can do co-production, um, uh, you can license your series and so, and so on, right? And so I decided to do fundraising um, to get investments, um, to get investors, sorry, so that I can start hiring uh, animators and illustrators and to um, scale up the series, basically. So, yeah, that, that was how the uh, official Asuka production started. It was after I started fundraising for the animation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very interesting story. So when you <laughs> actually were writing the, the poem and on the Instagram, you know, when you met Kartika, your partner, yeah. were you still actually in the full-time family business while yeah, you are doing that, this, right, on the site? Yeah. So oh, okay. um, I was still in my family business full time, and maybe during lunchtime or like during downtime or even at night, um, I would write, or I yeah. would com- look for writings that I would I wrote I have written back then, and um, use Photoshop to like make it look pretty and Instagrammable. Yeah. Then I would post one uh, maybe every day. And then when when was the time you know when you decided okay this is the time for me to. Pursue this full time, right? For Atlas Boy, right? And you have this this courage to to pursue this full time um, because I know this is a very brave step, and I would say it's very courageous because from a very stable business, I would say, right, family business, mm-hmm. very established, and you mentioned just now, right? You started something, this story to other people, but you know, especially in Indonesia or Asia, where when mm-hmm. people didn't really appreciate. You know, storybooks and all mm-hmm. things like arts and visuals. How how did you actually? What was in your mind back mm-hmm. then? Uh, I think the stars were just aligned at that time. <laughs> like it was the the right timing because um, trying to remember right, like what what was happening back then. I think off the top of my head, there were three factors that pushed me to do this. Uh, first one was the obvious one, knowing that I don't fit in in, in the family business and knowing that um, I am meant for so much more than this and I don't want to be stuck like this forever. Uh, second thing was, I watched La La Land. <laughs> you guys know that movie. Um, that movie really struck a chord yeah. with me. Uh, I, I really related with the Emma Stone character mm-hmm. and I remember when she sang uh, the, the audition scene, like the fools, the fools who dream. And I, I was like, oh man, like this, this, this character and movie is really, really talking to me. And that really, um, I am a dreamer as well. So I somehow like that after watching that movie, I'm like, okay, I am a fool who will dream and I will do it. And I think the third thing is um, I was just more confident. Um, I was maybe 26 at that time. So um, just having more confident in my abilities, uh, in my talents. Um, and why I was more confident is because at that time um, I was surrounded by people, uh, by a community who was very positive, very encouraging to me, um, who who pushed me to my potential. Like who who knew that um, I am also talented, I am creative, and um, I can contribute a lot to to the uh, community out there. Um, and also that confidence came, I think, because of, of my faith. So I'm I'm a Christian, and 
at the time um I was being transformed by God in in the sense that um I I had courage because I think God put it in my heart as well. And I felt that uh, I was being called by God to pursue this career path which is not easy, which is not normal, uh, normal in uh, Indonesia, uh, especially in in my circle. Like like everybody was like, "Huh? You want to make what? <laughs> Were you in banking?" And so it it was unheard of. But I I I just felt that pull as well. So it was yeah, a combination of all those factors at the right time. Yeah, I can say I think you are a very idealist person. Yeah, like you are a yeah. dreamer. You know, when you see something, you feel like compelled to actually. If you know, if you don't do this, you will just regret for yeah. for the rest <laughs> of your life, right? I think it's some you had this uh, enlightenment back then, right? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't used to be like that. Like I I, I took the safe steps always. Engineering, finance—it was uh, what my parents wanted. It was what yeah. um, community or society approved of. Um, yeah, but somehow along the way, it changed. Yeah. So when you actually decided to pursue this, I, I'm I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of people were against your decisions, right? Yeah. yeah. Right, especially your parents and and how how actually did you manage their expectations and how how were their reactions back then? You know. From you quitting this business to where it is today, right? How you know? Can you share with us a bit more on mm-hmm. that? Uh, I think it was especially hard for me because um, not only was I moving from a stable job to an unstable career, but it was the stable job was with my dad, right? To an unstable career. So, and my dad is a quite a very he's a, he's a he has a very por- uh, forceful personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, he always gets what he wants. So uh, and and I do take up some of that, <laughs> like in in me. So we do clash. But I remember um, when I, I think like maybe after two months in in the family business, I knew that this wasn't right for me. But I couldn't um, put it in words yet. Why? And then I started already like hinting and foreshadowing to my dad, like, okay, um, I don't, uh, I I'm not happy here. Um, I don't know what I can contribute here, like. Um, I can't. I can't do this. So how can I grow here? Blah blah. And he would still try to force, his, um, like change my mind, right? Like, no, like, uh, you you'll be so much better here. Like, your future will be safe. Like, it's guaranteed for. Like, you can manage this. You don't have to work hard. You know, like, I mean, not that you don't have to work hard, but you don't have to. Um, what's banding tulang? English banding tulang. Yeah, you know, like you know, and then. Uh, like you don't have to start something new. All you all yeah. you have to do is just continue this. So I couldn't fight back because I I also don't know what was my argument, right? Like I couldn't make mm-hmm. a compelling argument against that because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but I think after like the factors that I mentioned previously started to add up, um, it became clear and clear in my mind uh, on how to tell him that I want to leave and why and for what. So um, after I made up my mind, so. Previously, I haven't made up my mind, but I just like started saying it to my dad, right? So he knew that I hadn't made up my mind. That's why he was still trying to convince me. But after I made up my mind, I told him like, "Dad, I'm sorry, um, but I can't do this anymore because I want to pursue ABC. I believe that I am, I have potential. I have so much more potential than being stuck. I didn't say that, of course, but like being here doing that. You know, like I believe that my potential is doing something else." Um, And I can do so much more than this, but I can't do that here. Please, like, give me a year. You know, give me one year to pursue this full time. Um, if nothing comes out of it, then 
I'll rethink it. I'll rethink my strategy. I mean, he he wasn't happy, but he accepted my decision because I think he knew that I already made up my mind. Um, mm. And then after that, I mean, my mom didn't comment much, but after that, the struggle was like, oh, working from home, right? Because uh, at that time, it was just me and Kartika, and then working from home is is a whole new struggle with my parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you 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 would get judged and all that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why are you working from home? Are you working? Like, what are you doing? Come help help me wash the dishes. Help me <laughs> clean the house. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. And I think um, besides my parents, uh, I was also quite. Uh, I felt a sense of shame telling my friends what I did. You know, like oh yeah, um, um, I do children's story books, and I wouldn't say it with confidence. I would just like brush it off and then change the subject because I knew. I knew that there would be judgment. That I I didn't want to be judged as to be like a, uh, oh, she's just a uh, stay at home whatever doing something on the side. Like I knew they wouldn't understand that um, this is a full time thing for me. Um, but at the same time, I didn't like the feeling of being judged or seen that way because um, I think my belief system was still changing. At that time, I still thought like. Finance consulting is the be all and end all, right? Um, but I think that kind of confidence just grows over time um, as you start to get more and more serious in this uh, career. As you start to build more confidence in the projects that you do, the projects that you get. Um, so, so I think, yeah, my my confidence in saying what I do now is so different to compared to like a few years ago. So besides your work, right? You still mm-hmm. actually hone your your craft in in writing and blogging, right? Uh, I actually have an uh, I <laughs> I de- I deactivated my poetry account. Since, oh, did you? Yeah, I think since early last year or late 2018, because um, I couldn't uh, juggle those two things at once anymore, and oh, I deactivated it. I activated it again like very recently, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, but I deactivated it because if I activate, if it was active but I never posted, the followers just kept going down. Um, so I, yeah, that's why. So I think just now you also mentioned when you mm. were starting, you know, there were a lot of judgment by your parents, by your friends, right? Mm. And I, yeah. I, I believe it was very trying times for you, right? Challenging to actually prove yourself, right? Yeah. And like how to when you kept going and convincing those people like what was like mm-hmm. how how did you find that that motivations to to carry on right because i know the society looked down upon you and they didn't believe in you that back then uh i think i i just i started to pick and choose what i say and to who i remember like only confiding in people exclusively in people who believed in me People who can give me courage and, str- uh, and strength, um, people who are positive, uh, and I and I like fed off those people. And the people who were like negative and judging and um, being negative, I just grew further apart from them. And I mean, there are still I still have close friends actually who who would comment to me, um, like so. Of course, one of my vision is to be like Disney, right? Uh, that's the reason why I started this. And then um, when I, because when I was fundraising again, I was um, consulting to this friend, um, 
actually how do I um, communicate to this potential investor that um, my benchmark is Disney you know or like that's the pathway I want to take and then she said something very condescending she said something like uh, yeah but Disney is Disney it's like huge um, how, how are you guys gonna be like them you know, something like that it's very matter of fact and uh, I was quite sad or like quite mm, taken aback you know but it's okay I think I learned not to take things personally anymore and I learned that um, people see what they want to see uh, and there are some people who just um, I think people who prefer jobs that are safer right jobs that have a clear career path um, if you work two years you get promoted every two years you, you get um, another promotion and so on and that's nothing wrong with that but it's just not for me and probably what I do is also not for that person so mm-hmm. um, I, I think to, to, throughout the years as I get more mature and more confident I learn how to like compartmentalize those two things yeah mm-hmm. and how are your parents taking it currently are they happy with what you are where you with where you are today I think so <laughs> my I think my dad is Uh, in the beginning, he would like be cynical, like uh, at the very beginning, right? Like the first year, first few months, I think he would be like, "What are you doing? You know, like you're just at home, you're not doing anything." Blah 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 blah. Like there are no results. Blah 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 blah. But then I think after he saw, right, like uh, even those two books, we sold uh, 2,000 copies, like just by myself without any bookstores. And after that, start we started to go into animation. We went into um, Korea and all that. Uh, I think he. He got. I saw that he was proud of me. Like he started to share more about what I do and all that um, to other people. And then um, my mom, she actually, f- from from being like condescending as, as as to like I'm doing nothing. Now she's being like, stop doing so much. <laughs> wow. She's like, yeah, because at that time I was, um, especially during the Asian Animation Summit period, right? I was like mm-hmm. flying to Singapore, Jogja, Korea. Um, in the span of like two to three months and for long periods of time and then she was like no you should don't you shouldn't be working so much like uh take some time off blah 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 so it's a complete 180 you know but parents will always have something to complain about <laughs> but i just look at this positively oh it means that they see that i'm doing a lot <laughs> yeah yeah so that yeah. happens within like um three to four years right i believe uh yeah about three years wow three that's years. actually progress right and now how, how many people in in your team um if i'm not wrong i think we have about 17 full-time people and then uh we have maybe about five freelancers um yeah about five freelancers the, so the freelancers help in terms of like um social media accounting and all that so kartika is now still your partner right Uh, Kartika is now taking some time off actually, but she, mm-hmm. she's still uh, one of the shareholders here. Okay, so now you are running by yourself. Uh, I have another founding member, Natasha. Do you remember her? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. The one who came with me, Casey <laughs> and Ali. Yeah. Okay, Astrid. I think it's been very interesting story and it's very inspiring, right? You share a lot about I think having a vision. I think like it's quite important for young. Young audience, right? Young, young people who would like to start off something, to have a vision, yeah. to because to know where they they are going and to listen to mm. their calling, right? Yeah. And do you do you have any any tips or if you let's say you met your younger self, like 
your 20 mm. years old self what would you tell tell her um wow well, so many things <laughs> <laughs> okay i uh probably the most important things i would tell them is to first um explore as many things as possible so i think back then right even though i was doing engineering but if only i had a, i had like taken writing club or like um drama club <laughs> something then i would know earlier that oh there is there could uh, there is a career you know that i could do out of my passion right um so i think that's the first thing Ex- explore your your interests as many as possible i think the second thing is um just try to do the first easiest step right like um for example like i there was no way that from me in family business suddenly me now running a 70 people animation studio like in one month there was no way i could have done that right um so i think like just focus on the first easiest step and focus on um the the first on one day at a time so like like let's say if you want to um be a musician then like why don't you try posting your singing to your instagram account like one post per week or something or even on insta story and see what people say and then you tailor it from there because it's also useless to um do what you want without without um considering people's feedback because then you can't grow anyways and as an uh, for example as an entertainer right like uh you want to entertain audiences so i think it's also important to um take into account people's feedback and what they want at the moment i think that's a lot of um artists fall into that trap as well fall into um a trap of idealism like i want to create what i want to create i don't care if people like it or not i mean that's okay if you want to be a fine artist but if you want to um make something that sells then you yeah. better make sure that the market wants to buy it yeah that is i think that's a difference of um artists and designers right for artists they they can just do whatever they want but designers we solve problems and you know see where the world what the world needs as well yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. and i think i saw your your one of your profiles right you wrote you are actually disrupting indonesia's content industry how 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 are you seeing you know yourself currently and how mm. how do you see yourself disrupting the, the the content industry in indonesia can you um, explain a bit more that so as i learned about the animation studio more um back in 2018 uh, animation industry more sorry in indonesia um i learned that there was actually so many talented artists talented animators um but most of them um were in animation studios that just end up um be, uh, receiving projects from second hand and like third hand series for example it's not even receiving from disney it's like from um the subcontractor of disney the sub subcontractor of disney and actually as indonesians i believe that we have so many ideas we have so many inspirations look at all our ghosts and our myths and our legends i think that shows how creative we are um so how, how i want to disrupt the content industries i want to show the world that as indonesians we're not just consumers we can actually be creators you know like creating original ideas in 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 terms of ips in terms of stories in terms of characters that's the first thing and then, and the second thing is um also animation studio why they end up um going 
they say that they want to do IPs, but they end up like going into services again and again and again is because of the lack of cash flow, right? Like IP is a very expensive business, um, cash burning. Like you don't know when the money will come. Maybe in two years, three years, five years, ten years, twenty years, um, and of course. Not a lot of investors in Indonesia um, even are aware of the animation industry, right? Like, they are just only started to get aware of the film industry, but animation is still like, what's that, Doraemon? You know, <laughs> like still that kind of awareness. Yeah. Um, and and I want to like bring, I want to uh, disrupt that in the sense that actually like if you invest in IPs or in animation or in brands, like IPs are essentially brands, right? And you. Um, make a great IP, like great story, relatable character, good quality animation, and all that. <laughs> There's somebody who walked past. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Okay. Um, yeah, like good quality animation and all that. Um, then actually, you uh, the the IP can actually pay you back so much more. Like, look at all the successful IPs out there. They 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 last for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 years. Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse just turned 100, right? And a successful IP can actually be translated into so many different business models. Um, yeah, so, so that's, think, that's also your vision for Atlas Boy? Yeah, yeah, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. Like IP just takes a lot of patience and consistency and well, unfortunately money. Yeah. <laughs> and which I think uh, Indonesian investors are still not educated or aware about the potential of, um, of, great, of great IPs. So, so what I noticed also, right, how Indonesians try to build or grow IP is just, um, they just make a character, a cute character, but they don't invest in the storytelling, they don't invest in the character personalities, they don't invest in the background stories, and then they just paste this soulless, soulless character into different merchandises, and they sell that merchandise, and they call that an IP, but that kind of IP is not sustainable, like, um, maybe that that was okay back then when Hello Kitty was just starting, you know, but at this day and age where IPs are all competing against each other, you need to make your IP stand out. And how to make your IP stand out is to make a, um, a real character that a kid will think it's it's real, like me. <laughs> like me back then thinking that Doraemon was a real person or Harry Potter was a yeah. real person. Yeah. yeah, it's a relatable character, right? With their own exactly. stories and their own backgrounds, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I think we. I have covered all the questions, right? I think just one last question from me. Yeah, well, sure, What sure. do you think the, the, the industry is leading and heading, you know? Um, animation industry in Indonesia? Yeah. Or yeah. I, I, I actually think that um, it's a good time to be in animation right now um, because of several things. Uh, the first thing is at the, at the explosion of OTT platforms right now, so like Disney Plus, HBO Max, um, Netflix, Amazon TV, and all that—they're all fighting for good content. They're all commissioning good, good content. Um, and actually, the first one that that gets the benefits from that is first live action because they're cheaper, um, and the audience is more obvious, right? It's adults and all that. But I think after live action, they'll be looking for animation because. Um, they will start to realize that actually kids is a much more bigger cash cow than adults. Kids will buy anything 
that has their favorite character on it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I also I see like Indonesian investors starting to realize that. But I think the one thing that it's still very hard for them to overcome is how costly animation is. Um, so if there was a way to to like cut down on animation costs, which I still am still struggling <laughs> to figure out, yes. also, uh, I think that will make animation much more palatable for investors. And I think they also need to understand the IP industry better, um, because. Another example, right, of the struggle of IP industry right now is that I can make a great IP, for example, with like great stories and characters, but it's hard to hire business people um, to attract business people into the art industry and to sell my IP because they still don't understand like how do I, how do you want me to sell your IP? How do you want me to sell your cartoon? Especially in Asia, of course, in in America or in Singapore, right? Like um, people are still. Like Cartoon Network is hijacking content acquisition from Disney, and content acquisition is basically a business person. But in Indonesia, that still doesn't exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm like uh, very optimistic of the animation industry, um, but there are still a lot of things that we still need to figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a good time to be in the animation industry, right? And our time has come. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think I've I think covered all the questions. I think it's time to be in two D animation versus two D animations. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think so? Um, three D was quite popular a few years ago, um, uh, because I think it it just started like the trend and like all that, and people don't have to be able to draw right to go into three D, but I think nowadays people are starting to miss the good old days of like. Traditional animation, good old Disney animation back then.、Mm. Uh, so if you notice, like Claws just came out on Netflix, right? And that was、yeah. like two D, pure two D, and it, and it was and it was received very well.、Um, and re- recently, I've also been getting inquiries on two D anime、uh, projects, and、uh, that's why I'm also branching out into services because、okay. I do see the demand and I want to service that demand as well.、Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny because like there's actually a lot of other big 2D animation studios in Indonesia, but、um, I wouldn't say they're of good quality because, like I said, if you need, if you want to make good 2D animation, you need to be able to draw. Yeah. But to make good 3D animation, you don't need to be able to draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Astrid. I think. Thank you so much for your time. You. Thank you also. I think your stories、working. are quite. Uh, very very inspiring for us. Yeah, I think I have covered all I want to ask you. Thank you. I mean, if there are、so, some questions that、uh, are still unclear, you can just WhatsApp me also. Yeah. Can, okay. I can clarify on WhatsApp.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, Thank yes, you. Yeah. That's great. Thank you guys for your time. Thank、Bye-bye. you. Bye. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear your thoughts about the series. Get in touch and email us at creativewithin.podcast@gmail.com. We believe in learning from others and doing it in our own way. After listening to this episode, what steps will you take?